You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. Hey, Winston. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Episode two of our backpacking series. So what are we going to talk about today, Catherine? Today we're going to talk about footwear and backpacks. But before we do that, I'm going to pour some more wine. See, that's a great thing about <laughs> recording on a Friday night. You know, the, we can sit and have a glass of wine and uh, uh, enjoy our podcast. Yeah, maybe we'll even go hiking after because it's summer solstice. It is. Yeah. June 21st, which means June's almost over. I know. I was just thinking the same thing. But we've got trips coming up. Yes. Next week? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're Canadian. Um, July 1st, we have Canada Day. How old's Canada going to be? Uh, Come on, you're the walking encyclopedia. Yeah, but I don't give a shit about that. So, <laughs> um, it, I think it's like 154. 54. Let's Google it. No. No? Okay, you keep talking. I'm going to search this. I think 157. Catherine thinks 154. How much do you want to wager? Uh, I don't know. Dishes. Dishes. You can do dishes next time. Whoever's <laughs> <Well, I could, laughs> closer. <laughs> I, I cooked dinner tonight. Uh, it doesn't matter. How old is Canada? It says uh, 1867. It's 1867. So 52. I said 50. Yeah, so you win. Woohoo! You do dishes. <laughs> well, I do all that right. anyway. All right, all right. Anyways, back to our topic. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, you don't do them anyway. That's bullshit. The last time I was here, did I not just do a bunch of dishes? That was your first time doing them. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm the one that taught you how to do dishes. Because <laughs> you, you people don't understand how to rinse. All right. It's like dip it in soapy water and then put it over to dry. I don't think the listeners really care about that. I think they do. Like, <laughs> Because were you not the one that complained? It's like, yeah, uh, finally uh, I had my cup of coffee and I understand what you mean about the rinsing because... <laughs> All I could taste was soap in my coffee. <laughs> was that not you that said that? Yes, it wasn't. It's been a while since that's happened. <laughs> like three weeks. <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying, I haven't done that before in a long while. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there so, you go. So there we go. Yeah. Um, so yes. So today is episode two of our backpacking series covering backpacks and footwear. So what are we going to start with? Backpacks. Yeah. Let's start with backpacks. So that's usually what people think of the first as the first item that they need to get. Interestingly enough, when it comes to footwear, everybody knows you've got to be fitted quite rightly. But backpacks are really much the same. Yeah, because if you think about backpacking, inherently it is called backpacking because you are doing a track and adventure with everything you need in your backpack. If you're covering a lot of distance, so you're a hiker who camps, so you're doing a lot of hiking, the comfort of your backpack um, really makes a big difference because it's one thing to be tired because you're working hard. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to be uh, just sort of taken out of the experience because your shoulders kill because the pack is like pulling on your shoulders or your lower back's in pain. Um, so the fit of your backpack, more than anything else, the fit is number one. If you want to get into the specifics of like how to fit a backpack, like as far as getting the right size, if you go to Live Wild Radio, uh, we'll have the links in the description below or in the show notes um, about like how to measure your torso length. Essentially, for the pack to fit properly, there's two things. There's how long it is, how tall it is to fit your torso length. And your torso length is the top of your iliac crest. To, okay, what's that exactly? So what? if you, if you put your hands on either side, like put your thumbs, you know, over your kidneys and run down till you hit the bone, right at the top of your hips, that's your iliac crest, mm. right, the peak of your hip bone, okay. uh, and you want the the hip belt of the pack to wrap those. And if you're really gonna enjoy yourself, unless you're like going super super ultra light, you need a pack with a frame in it. Um, you know, in the old days, you had an external frame pack, like you could see it and the bag was strapped to an aluminum frame. Modern packs, they've put the frame inside. If you look closely at it, you can sometimes see the aluminum tubes mm-hmm. or... And on that note, do they all have the curvature so that you get airflow in no, your back? not at all. That's a really nice feature. It is. It's not as good for heavy weights. Mm. Let's take a step back. 
basically you can have either a mesh back, like a trampoline back is what they'd call it, or airspeed, mm-hmm. or everybody, mm-hmm. you know, every company's got a different uh, name for it. But um, the frame is curved, and then what's against your actual back, literally it looks like a trampoline. It's mesh, mm-hmm. right? And the pack gives you a bit of standoff room so that there's airflow. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can get contoured packs where you have a lumbar uh, curve, um, and literally the pack sits right against your back. So that will be comfortable. Um, things like the the Gregory, Baltero, and Diva, mm-hmm. um, they're these super padded packs that are really comfortable with heavy, heavy weight. Mm-hmm. Now, it's comfortable on your back with heavier weights compared to the same weight, let's say, you know, 40 pounds um, in... Uh, an Osprey Asia or Exos, um, that same weight in that pack will not be as comfortable um, as it would be in the heavier weight Gregory because um, they're curved, so it puts the weight closer to your back. Um, but because it's right on you, you don't get that airflow. It's going to be warmer. Right. Um, but it's also, those are lightweight packs. Yes. You know, and that's and it, the, those are the two that we have, right? Yeah. So I started off with a, a low Alpine 55 liter backpack. And so I think that was a couple hundred dollars and I still have it. It's been good to me. But when I've tried on others, I'm like, whoa, this is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Now I haven't actually tested my Osprey Asia, which is considered to be a lightweight backpack, but we will next week. As soon as I put it on, it hugged my back. And it, it felt really good. Mm-hmm. So much like uh, a slipper fits your foot or hand and glove, it just fits perfectly. I'm, I'm hearing you say from our other conversations that it should fit, feel comfortable. Yeah. So whatever weight it is you're carrying, you want to have it evenly distributed so that there's no pressure points. And most of the weight uh, is on your hips. And because when the weight is sliding down onto your hips, well, your hips are good at carrying load. If all the weight was on your shoulders, like there was no hip belt, it would be very, very uncomfortable. Um, after a while, your shoulders would be sore, um, you know, and and basically because the, all the weight's on your upper body, then your lower back and core has to be engaged the whole time. So mm-hmm. you'll find you get a sore lower back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been using the Osprey Exos which is the guy's version of the pack you have mm-hmm. um, for years. And with anything like 35 pounds or less, which tends to be what I have because uh, the rest of my gear is pretty light, I can hike all day. It's what I took on the Appalachian Trail with me uh, and I'm comfortable, right? Like I don't get pressure points on the shoulders. I don't get pressure points on the hips. I don't end up with bruising anywhere. But that means you're carrying less than 35 pounds. Yeah. Which people have got to get used to doing because that's usually mistake number one. <clears throat> it's carrying too much weight. Yeah. And that's sort of the big picture thing with the, this whole series is if you're going to hike more than a few kilometers into a campsite, do everything you can to get the weight down, whether it's buying more higher end, lighter weight gear, taking less stuff. Uh, all of that will make a difference, you know, if you're if you're doing more than a you know an hour or two in. And just for the listeners, uh, Winston works in an outdoor adventure store, and he's worked in camping. He works in footwear navigation right now. But the question I have for you: Are there kinds of packs for, like, there's your ultra lightweight, there's your lightweight, and then there's your other? Can be categorized in different ways, but um, I break them down into uh, ultra light. Um, which is a pack that's less than two pounds. It may or may not have a frame, uh, like the Osprey Levity or a the Z-Packs Arcall uh, or Arc Blast. Those are less than two pounds, and they have frames. You can also get um, packs less than two pounds that don't have a frame. Um, but if you don't have a frame, then your gear better be really light because all the weight's really on your shoulders. And then there's your lightweight packs, like what you and I run. Um, You know, they're less than three pounds. Uh, They're comfortable with loads, 30 or 35 pounds. 
And then there is your... Before you go into the next one, your ultra lightweight is meant for a total uh, weight load of what? Um, like 25 or less. Okay. And then ours is for 35 or less. Yeah. Okay. And then you get into packs like the Osprey uh, Atmos or Aura, which is the men's and women's version. Um, the Gregory Baltoro or Diva. You know, basically packs that are four to six pounds um, empty um, that are comfortable with heavier loads. Um, and there can be two things with this. Either your gear is heavier or you're doing what I call camping plus. And what I mean by that, it's camping plus anything else. So if you're camping and you're carrying your rock climbing equipment, your weight is going to be heavier regardless of what the weight of your camping gear is. It's camping plus photography, camping plus hunting. You know, if it's carrying camping gear and some other activity, uh, you know, if it's a camera and tripod and, you know, lenses. Maybe winter gear and snowshoes. Um, yeah, all of that can add up to a lot more weight mm-hmm. and take up more room. So above 35 pounds, typically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, and, and that could be all the way up to 60, 70 pounds. Um, and that's where like the ultra padded packs mm-hmm. um, with a super supportive frame yeah. will come in. And so I'll just jump in to say I tried on our friend Kirsten's pack, which is a Gregory Diva. Diva. And it felt so good, especially around the hip. Mm-hmm. But I was considering, and she asked me, do I want to take it on our summer backpacking trip? And as soon as I put it on, I'm like, uh, no, because it was so hot yeah, and sweaty. Because we, we were just, you know, going for a small hike, and I thought I'd try it out. And I said, no, not interested. Although it felt really good. Yeah, well, because and it's always one of those trade-offs. It's, it, and we'll get to this with footwear. It's like you can have heavy and supportive or light and fast, mm-hmm. right? And both work. And cooler. Yeah. Now, both work as long as it's the right season. Um, you can use an ultralight backpack if your gear is ultralight. You know, like if you were to run an ultralight backpack, but your all of your gear was heavy, then, you know, it doesn't match, right? So you'd run into the thing where, where it'd be super uncomfortable because you're trying to support... 40 pounds of gear in a pack that's designed to support 25. Um, and it's the same thing the other way around. Uh, you know, if you have ultralight gear, but your backpack is comparatively heavy, it's just going to seem warm or hot. Mm-hmm. So it's fine in the wintertime, you know, or in cooler conditions. Yeah. Uh, but in the heat of the summer, man, I want as much airflow as I can get. Right? So... so- so is it safe to say that the lighter you go in packs, um, and equipment in general, but here we're talking about packs, the more expensive it's going to be? Uh, no. Because ours uh, are under $300, mm-hmm. uh, and they weigh about two and a half pounds. Whereas um, if you get like a, a heavier weight expedition pack, or even something like the Osprey Atmos, which is probably the most highly rated backpack out there for all round use mm-hmm. um those are over 300 bucks right but if you get you know something like a, a z packs which is sort of like this little cottage company in the states that uh it's dyneema fabric and they use carbon fiber rods for the frame instead of aluminum mm-hmm. um they're expensive as shit mm-hmm. right so like, what, what is that exactly like 600 500 bucks uh, ish off the top of my head i think in 500 or 600 Canadian range. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're using higher end materials and you're trying to make good durability while making it as light as possible, everything just costs more. Because <laughs> if you want durable, um, <clears throat> but you're not as concerned with the weight, mm-hmm. that's pretty easy to pull off because you just use a heavier, tougher fabric. Gotcha. Right. Um, you put more stitching in. Mm-hmm. Um, all these different things that make for more durability. Yeah, because what usually goes on a backpack is at the bottom. Uh, it can, but most backpacks um, will reinforce the bottom. They'll use a heavier fabric on the bottom than they will on the rest of the pack mm. um, for more durability. Sometimes they'll do a double layer. Um, for myself, with any of my packs, it's always the side pockets. Oh, okay. Right, because a lot of times they're a stretchy mesh. Yeah. 
and they get snagged on stuff and ripped. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm more likely to be what blows on my pack um, than the pack body itself. Gotcha. But I've had buckles break. Yes. Um, you know, uh, that kind of thing as well. Yeah, and that's all generally warranted or no, like the buckles? Well, it depends on the company. Um, so I predominantly just use Osprey packs for my backpacking backpacks. Mm-hmm. Um, have for uh, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. They have a lifetime. But the, the way that they term their warranty is any product, any reason, any era. Hmm. Right? So it doesn't matter how old it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter why it is. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Really? And they'll cover it. And- yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I would say I've had a lot of experience in paying, you know, a, a decent price on things. More than I ever would on anything else, but it's been worth it because mm-hmm. I've had to warranty things. So then, you know, a seam starts to come off on your boot, for example, or, you know, uh, they'll replace the complete boot. Yeah. yeah. Like, warranties are one of those things where uh, for most things aren't an issue for me, but outdoor gear. Yeah. Warranties matter. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's something that really I my eyes uh, were really open to. Yeah, because we beat the shit out of stuff. You do. Yeah. And that that's where I'm kind of tossed up because I kind of like some of the cottage industry companies where they're, you know, the, the entrepreneurial innovation really appeals to me. Mm-hmm. And that could be Z-Packs or Hyperlite Mountain Gear. Um, you know, a lot of these little companies that make these really kind of cool, innovative products. But I can't just take it to any outdoor store to get it warrantied. Gotcha. Right? Whereas an Osprey pack, um, they're pretty cutting edge, even though there's certain things. They might Mm -hmm. not have Dyneema fabric and what have you in their pack. But but it's reliable. They're sold everywhere. Yeah. Right? And it's dependent. Particularly for something like my pack that gets the shit kicked out of it. Mm -hmm. I kind of like having that warranty, personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so you you picked up the Asia. Uh, What is it that, that... led you to that pack other than the fact that it's the girl's version of the pack well, I use? Um, I, I think, you know what it was, is I was having trouble with my shoulders. At times, my shoulders would get pressure points. And that tends to be the thing that goes first. For me, it's not really the lower back, it's the shoulders. Mm. <clears throat> and um, and then I remembered I tried on Kirsten's backpack just for fun. And uh, I was like, holy shit, this feels really nice. Because I really noticed... The uh, additional padding on the hip bolt yep. and carrying the weight there. It was solid, but it felt like it was like six pounds or five pounds where my pack is like two. I'm exaggerating yep. here, right? But it's it was pretty solid. So um, it got me thinking. And I know you have the male's version to mine. I, and I actually never ever did try yours, you know, completely filled and to see what it was like. And I should have. But I don't know, I just started thinking, and I remember we were at that one event, the Canoe Symposium, and you had another lightweight backpack. I was like, wow, this is really nice. And mm-hmm. It was the male's for men's version. And um, and then we were just at REI in the States, and we thought we'd try the uh, the female, the Asia. Yeah, this one we were in Vegas. Yeah, and we were coming back. Did we buy it in Vegas? No. No, or we tried it there. Yeah. <clears throat> and I put it on, I was like, holy shit, this feels really good. Like a hand in glove, right? Mm-hmm. So it felt right. It was a very different frame at the back. I don't think it had much airflow at all. I think that, but it was very much hugging my back and it gave me this, it felt very supportive and I had nothing in it. Mm-hmm. So the the real test will be when we go backpacking with it because I have not yet to date have done that. Um, but uh, it's a bigger pack. It's certainly a, what, another three liters more than my current one at 58 liters. So we'll see. But I also wanted deeper exterior pockets yeah to put Bottles things in. in yeah i'm not sure if it has any pockets in my hip belt but uh, i don't think it does actually it's something no. i'd want to add because that's pretty important for snacks i think and toilet trees etc so that's what got me thinking but um what would you say you know starting out what should people be looking for in, uh, in leaders capacity? so so capacity wise 50 to 65 generally okay um that's a big difference yeah, but a lot of it, the, the here's the tough thing you run into. I use a 48-liter pack, and I can use a 48-liter pack in winter where you have bulkier clothes. It's funny. It always seems like you have a lot more in there. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, so it runs into the thing where it depends on the size of your gear and how much gear you bring. Yeah. Um, 
I don't need as even in the wintertime as much clothes to stay warm as you do. Yeah, that's true. And I right? think that's what it is. It's the difference in clothes. Um, I don't need as thick of a sleeping bag to stay warm as you do. Mm. I don't need, you know, like there's all of these things and they all take up more room. Okay, so let's just touch on that because you've mentioned it now. There's a di- difference between men and women. Women do carry more stuff and not just because of stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, it's makeup. It's all makeup. <laughs> but because of... Uh, Temperature control and women are run colder. So, yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah. Basically, if we're summer, spring, you know, warmer weather, uh, like I have, I can fit a bear canister in and I still got tons of room you left do. over. I know. That's why I'm kind of surprised now that you said it's only 48 liters. Yeah. Well, and that's why it made sense for you to buy the 58, right? Because for both, uh, you know, Warm weather with a bear canister or cold weather with a ton of extra clothes and a bigger sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, you just have a bulkier sleeping bag and more jackets and more underwear and more, you know, mm-hmm. more everything mm-hmm. just to stay warm. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about weight capacity. Are there any other considerations between men and women's packs? Is well, the, the way they fit. The sizing. Yeah. Uh, because I'm five foot eight. I'm not a very tall fellow. Mm-hmm. But when I'm seated, uh, I'm very tall because I have a very long upper body. Like I've got like a long upper body and short little legs. But I have a long upper body. Most women tend to have longer legs proportionally and shorter upper bodies, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about uh, long upper body and I've got relatively small hips, you've got a short upper body and big hips. Mm-hmm. So if you think about you need a... a the length of your pack needs to be shorter, and then you need a hip belt that actually fits around your hips properly and puts mm-hmm. the load on your hips. Yeah, that's sort of one of those things you'll run into. The other, the other one you'll run into between a men's and women's. A lot of times, the women's shoulder straps are cut in a bit of an S shape. Okay, they're curved because you got boobs in the way, mm. um, and generally the shoulder straps will be closer together. Okay, uh, because you'll and this is on average, right? So, ladies, if you don't fit these averages, then get a dude's pack. Okay. Um, but women generally tend to have narrower shoulders than men. There's no price difference difference no. here. No, okay. there there is no pink tax, as they call it. <laughs> Men's and women's backpacks, like Osprey, you okay. know, they do. You know, the other than names and colors, mm-hmm. the men's and women's are the same price. Packs are one of those things. Packs are like shoes, and that's why we put these two in the same episode. You can order shit online, right? Whether it's Amazon or wherever. But I personally will not order, like I will not buy a pack I have not tried on first. Yeah, I, I, I don't like ordering packs online. Um, at the end of the day, if I even considered it, because it was a really good deal, it's because I've already tried it on elsewhere. Well, yeah, right? it's a different thing if you already know. Like, if I was to buy another Exos, it's like, yeah. Except for warranty. I I'm at, I like the fact of the no hassle that I encounter when I have to take my pack back to the store. Mm-hmm. The advice that you get from your store salesperson um, goes further than what you can figure out online. So yeah, it's, it's, it's always, worthwhile going and, in the store and, and rewarding them with that purchase. Yeah. Well, and this is always one yeah, of the things that... It's a relationship. Because I've talked to a lot of people and uh, like a lot of people who've been consumers mm-hmm. and it's always the tough thing. Like if you go into any, and this could be like a, a mom and pop outdoor store or a big chain outdoor store. Um, the worst part is it's kind of a flip of the coin, you know, what kind of advice you get, do your research, read our articles, read other articles, have a good understanding. So then if somebody makes a recommendation that just doesn't sound like it's just really off base, Mm -hmm. then you go, oh, okay. You know, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. But then the same thing, then if people are, you know, steering you in that right direction and and giving you that feedback, then you know if you're getting good advice. Because the problem that a lot of people run into is they go into a store, if they don't have a base level of knowledge, they don't know if they're getting good advice or not. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and when you're putting on the pack, can you talk a little bit about how you adjust the pack? Yeah, so trying it, and th- this is weighted, right? Because if you're trying on a pack, trying it on empty doesn't mean shit. So, can you expect that the stores will have weights to put in the pack? If they don't, 
like ask them to go in the back and grab a couple of tents, mm-hmm. right? Because they'll just fit in. Yeah. Like if you get two 10-pound tents yeah. or three six-pound tents or something, at least it'll give you an idea what it feels like with some weight in it. Yeah. Um, like certain packs like the, the Osprey Atmos and uh, Aura, because the hip belt is kind of spring under tension, it's kind of spring-loaded. Mm-hmm. If you put that pack on empty, mm-hmm. because the hip belt is squeezing you, yeah. Um, not uncomfortably, but it will actually slide up on you, mm. right? Because whereas if you've got weight in it, it will stay in place properly and it's really, really comfortable. Oh, interesting. So it doesn't feel like it sits properly if you don't have any weight in it. Okay. Most packs aren't like that. They're just like a padded hip belt. Yeah. But this one is tension mesh. So what other adjustments could the person going in expect? Basically, I always recommend try it on with like about 20 pounds in it. Okay. Put the pack on. Put it up on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. You want the shoulder straps loosened off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll usually just sort of lean forward a little bit so I can do up the waist belt or the hip belt. Um, do it up and pull it snug. And what you want is the hip belt to be wrapping over. Like if you feel like uh, your hip bones, like at the front of the hips, um, like if you sort of run up the top of your thigh, uh, you know, and they usually sit a little bit below your belly button. Um, waist-wise, if you were drawing a line across, um, there's these, you know, you can feel the bones in your hips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the hip belt, the padded part, should wrap around that. You know, think of it as like half of it goes below, half of it goes bo- above, right? It sort of curves around those bones. Um, and so you cinch that up, then do up the chest strap, but don't do it very tight, just enough that the shoulder straps aren't going to come off of you. Um, grab the tensioners or the, the straps or your shoulder straps and pull those snug and down. down and back. Uh, what you'll run into is most of the weight will be on your hips. Some of it is, uh, you know, maybe 25% on your shoulders. Uh, and if the pack fits properly, the shoulder strap, um, if somebody's looking at you from the side, will come out where it connects to the backpack will be even with your scapula or your shoulder blades. So it will come out of the shoulder blades and come up and wrap around the shoulders. Mm -hmm. You don't want it coming on a level straight out of the pack to your shoulders because that'll actually, it's not spreading the load over the whole shoulder. So it'll put pressure on the collarbone Mm -hmm. and the front of your shoulder. Um, And you don't want to do the chest strap up too tight because if you do, it'll squeeze the shoulder straps together. Okay. And that actually pinches the side of your neck and you can get chafing. Mm. Um, which isn't really comfortable. So you want it enough that the done up enough that the shoulder straps won't slide outward off of your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just to hold it in place. It's not right. to be tight. Then um, height wise, you want the chest strap, you know, about an inch or two below your collarbone. Right. So in most backpacks, the chest strap is adjustable up and down. Mm-hmm. Then from there, if you reach up and over your shoulders. Basically, at the top of the backpack straps, there'll be a, another adjustment strap called the load lifters. And when you grab those and pull them, they'll pull the pack into you. Mm-hmm. And that's your final adjustment. So I think overall, we've talked about all of the aspects of a good fitted backpack. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about features. Um, I look for pockets in the hip belt because that's where I put my snacks. That's where I put my chapstick. Um, and then the side pockets. Uh, now that I know I'm a little bit wiser, I like deep side pockets so that things that go in there don't fall out. That's where I usually put my water bottles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And other features would be, you know, whether you decide to get something that has a rain cover or not, which I've never used mine. Um, I although think... it's, it's hardly ever rained, but... Maybe I've just been lucky, but this year is a crappy year, so maybe this year will be the, will well, be I, the I, year. I have used rain covers in the past. I do not use them anymore. I use a waterproof pack liner. Most camping gear, if it gets wet, it doesn't hurt it. Things like your clothes, your sleeping bag, uh, your, uh, you know, my case of sleeping in a hammock, mm-hmm. I want those things all dry, so I keep them in the waterproof pack liner yeah. inside my pack, the pack liner. Back, yeah. Yeah. When they have a backpack, so keep that in mind. Another useful one is um, trekking pole or ice axe loops that you can. That's usually on the exterior of your pack. Which yep. I'm excited. My Asia has that because mm-hmm. sometimes I've wished I had something. Uh, although I use my trekking poles all the time anyway. Yeah. So. But when we go do some alpine stuff in the winter, you can strap your ice axe to the back. Yeah. When you're not using it. Yeah. 
because nothing looks more badass than even in the summertime. <laughs> you just wanna you wanna seem like a badass. Just strap an ice axe. To there you go. And lash points for additional gear, like a foam sleeping bag pad. So yep. yes, mine does not have that, and I wish mine did. And often I just well, your new give, one does. I know, which means I can't be giving it to you anymore. Isn't that the case? You mean I? You have to carry your own <laughs> shit. That's what we're talking about. You have to carry your own stuff. Yeah, that's a novel that's, idea. That's why you suggested it, didn't you? Yeah, and then shoulder strap pockets. Um, those can be added. Yeah. So consider that, and that's maybe what I'll be doing with my Asia. Um, hip the, belt pockets can also be added. Yeah. Well, um, the the other one that I'm a big fan of is the top lid. Yes. The pockets in the top lid. Love it. Because um, that's where I keep my headlamp, Emergency. my spork, my first aid kit. Yeah. I actually keep my pot and my stove, my whole cook kit up there. Yeah. Things um, are going to pull it often. Uh, and so in complete darkness, I can find my headlamp. Um, I know where my spork is. I know where my fire starting kit is. I know where my first aid and emergency kit is. Yeah. They're all just right there. Yeah. And... With everybody that I go out with, I kind of encourage them all to put them in the same place. So if I have to find your headlamp, I know where it is. Yeah. If I have to find your first aid kit, I know where it is. For sure. Yeah. And then um, I also like it when on the inside of that same um, flap, you have another pocket. I usually put my keys in there. Yeah. Keys, passport. Yeah. Yeah. You want things that to be protected, but easily accessible also. Yeah. And if you think about things like your passport and your wallet... Get some of the one-quart um, Ziploc freezer bags. Um, they're the sort of slightly, we'll call them the large sandwich bags, but they're heavy duty. You put your stuff in there, zip it up, and uh, put it in the, the basically the underside of the top lid, essentially, in the mesh pocket. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it rains or whatever. All your stuff is perfectly fine. It's not going to get hurt. Cool. Yeah. So I think we've covered off all the features. Um, is there anything else you want to address about packs? When it comes down to packs, um, if you're just starting, consider something like a uh, Osprey Volt. It's their entry level mm-hmm. um, pack. Uh, it's like the Volt and the Viva, you know, men's and women's. Mm-hmm. Um, super adjustable. So, you know, not bad to buy for young people too because they, the torso length is... is Adjustable as well. Very adjustable. That's cool. And the, you get all of those Osprey benefits, warranty-wise, at a, at a fair price. A few others that you'll run into, North Face has some good, uh, you know, starter backpacks at a good price mm-hmm. with a very good warranty. Cool. Basically, if you're looking around on the internet, there's certain packs like the, I think the Teton brand, uh, which I think is sold at Walmart. It's not comfortable. Like, because the thing comes in with something like backpacking, if you're not comfortable, like if you're miserable, yeah, like half an hour in, yeah, you're not going to continue totally, to do it. Totally. I will completely attest to this because I know you've got it pretty fine tuned and I've been experiencing it more, more recently, but totally like your shoulders, your back, your neck, your upper back, it's just screaming at you. Mm-hmm. So you, and I've got the right pack. Um, so it's a matter of the right adjustments and placement of weight. And you're not going to get that at a Walmart, you know, no. or a Canadian tire. I don't care how good their cottage country selection looks like, but, and the price points might be it's good. For but it's for car camping. It's, it's, it's like a boot. You pay what, for what you get and it's worthwhile spending a couple hundred dollars to get a good pack. All right. So let's move on to shoes, footwear. Mm-hmm. So, um, I will say that, yeah, I've got a little bit more experience here. I started off with several pairs. It can almost be like a, you can almost have your bionic feet in place with the right footwear. (laughs) And what I mean by that, people know that I've got trouble with my knees. I wear knee braces, but I like hiking boots. There's hiking shoes, lightweight, there's hiking boots, and then there's backpacking boots, which are even sturdier. But my hiking boots, I find with the, uh, high what would you call it the high ankle yeah they're about high the tops ankle. with yeah. the high top like in the durability and the and i also put orthotics in mine um i feel like i am cruising from rock to rock or from uh scrambling or whatnot but especially when we're on a path and there's lots of boulders in the way and you can choose to ride it you know be bop across them with your and you've got your your uh, hiking poles in place too for stability 
it's incredible how much faster you'll go. Whereas you, on the other hand, yeah, what's your I, preference? I basically my preference is like a, a trail shoe or a trail running shoe, like kind of a not a full on ultralight like trail running shoe, but things like the Ultra Lone Peaks or the Merrill Moab FST. Mm-hmm. They're they're sort of on the lighter end of the hiking shoe. They're like a they're like a running shoe, but with but beefy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, without so, the high high top uh, yeah there's not a high top they're a lot lighter they're super breathable so for me it's that's what i run when it's warm out mm-hmm. and then when it's uh a little cooler like fall weather you know wet spring weather that kind of thing mm-hmm. um i'll wear you know waterproof breathable above the ankle hiking boot kind of a more classic hiking boot mm-hmm. um but for me when it's summertime I like the light. I like the breathable and cool. Mm-hmm. And even though I've had, you know, uh, some ankle injuries in the past, mm-hmm. I found that I can move quicker with less fatigue at the end of the day wearing lighter footwear. Right. Because what's the difference in weight between a hiking shoe and a boot? Like half the weight. What is that? Like what's a hiking boot? Like two pounds? Like two to three pounds each. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes a difference. And then a lot of hiking shoes are like a pound and a quarter to two pounds each. So, you know, depending on what you're coming from, you can actually save a lot of weight. And over the course of, say, 20 miles in a day, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let's let's say it's a half a pound per shoe, so a pound overall. Well, if you're taking that half a pound, you're not having to move... And multiply it by the, you know, 25,000 steps. That adds up to thousands of pounds you didn't move. Mm-hmm. Right? Which means it's energy you just didn't burn. Yeah. Um, research has been done and testing with this on the physiological level that saving one pound on your shoes is the equivalent energy savings of taking six pounds out of your backpack. Oh, wow. Right? So... That makes a difference. Like, if you That's imagine your backpack was instantly six pounds lighter. It's a huge difference. Yeah. Totally. Right? Totally. So, yeah. but uh, as to Catherine's point, because um, all of these things only work if it, it's supportive enough for you. Yeah. Right? Like, it's more my knees and yeah. partly my ankles, but I just feel more stable and and honestly, I, 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 so I, I have the Oboes right now. I'm not sure which brand exactly. It's but the Bridger. The Bridger. I love them. And I have to say that I put on boots in the past and they were, they were good. And I always thought that I needed to break them in and the feeling would get better. And now I'm learning that that's not the case. They should feel good as soon as you put them on. Yeah. It's like they should feel good as soon as you put them on. And then if it's a leather product, it will get better. But it should never be, oh, uh, it's too tight, but maybe it'll break in. Yeah. If it ever feels too tight, you're fucked. Yeah. I mean, I mean, as soon as I put my boots on, I, I'm like, I want to go hiking. Yeah. <laughs> it actually means it's like, it's like fairy dust is sprinkled on my feet and I really wanted to go hiking. Seriously. I believe it, they call that cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, the guy I love, I can't say enough about these shoes because they feel lightweight, but supportive. Yeah. Well, and, and that's sort of the, the thing yeah. you run into. Like... Uh, just like I talked about backpacks, I, I categorize them in sort of ultralight, lightweight, and then expedition supportive kind of levels. Footwear, I do the same thing. Um, there's uh, basically your lightweight shoe, and then what is equivalently the high top version of it. It's not really, other than going above the ankle, it's not like it's super supportive. Then there's your medium support boots. Uh, and that can be, you know, something like your oboes, you know, they've got a bit of a shank in the, in the midsole for stability. They're a little bit stiffer around the ankle for more ankle support. Mm -hmm. Um, but they flex nicely up front. Yep. Uh, then there's your full on backpacking borderline mountaineering boots. 20 years ago, if you went any place, they would say that's what you use backpacking. I think, you know, over the last few years, like 70 or 80% of the people that attempt to through hike like the Appalachian Trail do it in trail running shoes. And that gives you an idea. Like it used to be if you backpacked, it was like a high top, 
you know, like a full grain leather hiking boot. It looked all mm, old school. But wouldn't you say that they are better? No. They take so much more energy that... I know. I'm talking about just for overall support. Well, support, wear yeah. on your ankle. So they are but, be- far better than that. And any potential damage you could do to your no, ankle. No, but see, this is where people... That was conventional thinking. But what happens is, is because it takes so much more energy, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're fatigued mm-hmm. because you're moving these heavier shoes. Yeah. And when you're fatigued, you're much more likely to make a misstep and hurt yourself. You know, you run into the thing where they're, on the one hand, somebody like you, you need a moderate amount of support because you've got some stability issues, we'll say, because of the knees, mm-hmm. right? We, we need to keep the knees tracking well because if the knees are getting in so much pain that you can't carry on, yeah, right? It's kind of like wearing a weightlifting belt or, or wearing an ankle brace mm-hmm. when you don't need it. Right. Right? If you don't need it, you will just expend less energy. Because even even your knee braces you wear, they weigh something, uh-huh. right? You're just carrying weight around. I'm not. It's true. Because your knees are made out of Play-Doh. Yeah. Right? Like you, you've got the, the same amount of cartilage as like the drywall and the, and the wall does. Um, Less, yeah. Right? So, so for you, it's about, okay, whatever I got to do to just be able to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and in those situations, it's like literally you do whatever you have to do to play the game, whether it's supportive boots, knee braces, you know, as we talked about, stem cell therapy, <laughs> <laughs> keto diet, <laughs> yeah, like whatever you've got to do yeah. to make it so that you know the the aches and pains and the instability because of the knee problems, yeah, um, allow you to still play the game. Uh, but that's sort of like one end of the spectrum, right? If you don't have any knee issues, any stability issues, you're not a newbie. Like if you're first starting out, yeah, getting a medium support boot's a good idea because your ankles are shit. Right. Not not from a, a, mm. a structural standpoint, but all of the little stabilizer muscles aren't trained. Right. Um, but once you've been doing it for a while... Um, Within reason, the lighter uh, footwear you can get away with, mm-hmm. your feet will be happier because they breathe better. And then the amount of energy you save is, at least for me, and it seems to be like a, a pretty broad consensus among anybody who is hiking long distances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're hiking long distances, you're generally probably doing it in training too. And you tend to be more fit and active. Like if you just hike, you know, on the weekend, or maybe every maybe over the the nice weather over the summer, um, once a month you go on a weekend backpacking trip. Then yes, go with some sort of boot uh, because you don't probably do it enough to be stable enough, like to have all those little muscles trained. Right. Cool. Let's talk about fit. Yeah. This is what I do. Tip number one: go at the end of the day. It's not that your feet are swollen, but you've been on your feet. But they are swollen. And you want to get that more authentic idea of what your feet will be like when you put on some hiking boots. If you do have orthotics, bring them. Mm-hmm. Refuse to buy anything without them. Take out the insoles and put them in and make sure they fit well. Consider that um, you may need a medium width hiking boots. So definitely get your foot size and realize that both feet are never the same size. Yeah, so you you got to buy your footwear for your big foot. Yeah. The one thing I didn't realize, I remember you told me this, was um, you want your toes to be how far apart from the tip of the boot? Uh, I like to see five to eight millimeters. But yeah, like it, or, or if you were sort of being generous, like a finger width. I find the thing that people do with shoes of sticking their fingers down the back of the shoe, like okay. slide their toes all the way forward. Oh, okay. Um, and slide, so if they can fit a finger in, it's got enough room. I find that a lot of times it's just a hair too much. Okay. Um, so Which it, causes blisters. Because you, but the thing is, is that you don't want your toes banging against the end of the shoes. Right. Right. So anytime you can, if there's a, the store has a ramp, walk downhill on it. Right? Or just stand on the ramp and just march yep. up and down, up and down. Because what you want to see is, are your feet sliding forward and hitting the end of your shoes? Because you'll lose a toenail. Right. Um, 
But at the same time, when you're walking along, going uphill, go up and down the stairs, you don't want your heel going up and down, right? So you want them tight enough that your heel doesn't move, but roomy enough in the toes that your feet don't slide and hit the ends. Right. So you want to make sure that you test going up and down with the shoes. Yeah. And, and as far as the going down, if, if a place doesn't have a ramp, do a, a big stepping forward lunge and lunge in your shoe. Mm-hmm. Because it's got a lot of forward movement, mm-hmm. right? Like if you take a giant step forward, it looks ridiculous, but it's better than having bleeding toes down the road. Yeah. Giant steps, have your foot land and slide a little. Yeah. And then giant step and have your foot land and slide a little. But keep in mind that when you put the boots on and you just tie up your laces, there is a trick to tying up your laces, which is, so you, you've tied them up and before you, what are those little hooks called? The hooks. All right. So before, <laughs> you usually get four of them. On your on your boot, okay. Well, your, yours only has one. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> so before you actually tie onto the hooks, um, do a regular tie there, uh, or actually with two. How would you explain this? Uh, I would say keep your eyes open to our YouTube channel, uh, Live Wild Radio. All right, we'll explain it there. How to tie because your laces? It, with the, the, it's a much easier to show. With yeah, the it is. It is, and um, you know what? It's it's a very a, important tip to keep your foot secure. So and that there's multiple ways to tie your shoes. Okay, shoes right. and boots, because right. the techniques I would use for like boots and the techniques, and it depends on what the fit problem you have, whether it's a width issue or a, okay. a heel sliding issue. There's a whole bunch of different ways of tying your shoes yeah. that I have. Yeah, but you definitely want to be tying your boots, your laces, the way you would be when you're on the trail. And it's it really secures your ankle in place. So even if your boot's a little bit bigger, you want to make sure at the end of the day you still have that room. Yeah, well, and that's the advantage of boots is hmm. as far as the forward and back movement. Yeah. Um, because the, the, the big reason we want to limit movement is we don't want blisters. Yeah. And blisters are caused by friction. Right? Mm-hmm. Friction is caused by movement. Yeah. Rubbing. Right? Yeah. Um, and that rubbing leads to a heat buildup. Well, if your heel comes up and down in your shoe, you're, you're likely to get a blister on your heel. If your foot slides back and forth in the shoe, you might get blisters underneath the ball of your foot. Hmm. Um, if your toes are squeezed together um, and then are rubbing up and down, you might get toes or blisters between your toes. Mm. Right, so we want to minimize the amount of movement within your shoe. So we want it to fit like a glove, with no pinching tightness. Right, and generally the the uh, thing that and it doesn't matter how wide your foot is or anything like this, but guidelines wise is snug in the heel, roomy in the toes. Right, because if you're snug in the heel. It's less likely to move around, and your whole right. foot is less likely to move around. Right. But then, if the toes are roomy, then they're less likely to rub together. And your foot, if your feet tend to swell around your toes, you want, then you want the room in the shoes yeah. to be able to exactly. deal with that. Exactly. Exactly. I think we pretty much covered off fit. Let's talk about insoles for a minute. I, I had mentioned that if you have got orthotics, bring them. But you use insoles. Yeah. Well, okay. Every shoe comes with an insole. Mm-hmm. They're just usually shitty. Mm-hmm. They're just a piece of throwaway foam, right. right? Some might have a slight bit of arch, but it's just foam. So it's not going to give you much support. Um, I, on most of my shoes, either have um, sole custom footbeds, which are S-O-L-E footbeds. They're heat moldable. So you put them in the oven, then put them in your shoes, put your shoes on, and it actually molds to the shape of your feet. I, I jokingly refer to them as the Fisher-Price, my first orthotics. Um <laughs> But they they're like fifty or sixty bucks instead of the five hundred bucks of orthotics. Okay, and do you have to get them each time you get a new shoe, or you just put them in a different? No, I just keep remolding them. Like I've got ones that are ten years old. Gotcha. Um, uh, then I also in some of my shoes have Superfeet, um, which are another Superfeet aren't heat moldable, but they come with. There's three different levels of arch support Mm -hmm. and different widths of heel support. Mm -hmm. Um, so. Once you figure out which one works for you, they tend to work pretty well, too. Because with any orthotic or footbed, unless you've really got some fucked up issue, um, what you're looking at is a stable heel cup to stabilize the heel and an arch support so your arch don't collapse. Mm-hmm. Right? That's sort of the, the cliff notes version of what a, an orthotic is. So if you can get the adequate amount of arch support yeah. and a stable heel, 
you'll have uh, 90% of the benefits of orthotics for 10% of the price. And they're way better than stock insoles. And I'm just going to say that um, if you have any inkling coming from a person who's had serious knee issues, if you have any inkling of knee pain, get it checked out. Yeah, go see a podiatrist, get your gait checked, because I'm telling you, you're going to fuck up your knees more if you don't wear orthotics. And that is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Okay. Well, and then to also get strong and be mobile. Yeah, and yeah. So don't let that slide. Take care of it. Um, don't feel like it's an you know you're getting an old thing. It's it's an important thing. Yeah. Okay. Which orthotics help, and also do a bunch of research on how to strengthen your feet. Yeah. You can build your arch back up. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is be hiking out there on shitty you know uh, arch arches foot arches or and then you're just gonna wreck your knees whereas you've got like sexy high arches you think like very yeah you like them uh i'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really a foot guy but, but if you were you'd like them yeah like if i was a uh, foot guy one of those foot guys um but but it's a thing where like some people's feet look like deflated balloons gotcha right you yours just have that gunk like mine do yeah like if you put your two feet like heel to heel and bend out sideways doing a, a plie as the ballet people would say yes. it looks like the mcdonald's m yes right <laughs> that's what you want okay i don't have nice calves but i have nice arches all right all right so moving on breaking in your footwear so let's talk about that yeah from what i understand it's already broken in well it depends on what you got all right so if you have anything like like that's a mesh upper, a trail running shoe, synthetics don't require a break-in, basically. If you have like a classic full-grain leather hiking boot, they take some time to break in. The soles are super stiff, uh, and the uppers are very stiff. So what you want to do is like soak those down with like a, either a beeswax or a dubbin to soften up the leather. And get out and use them regularly, but just like an hour at a time. Um, because they're stiff, it takes some time to flex them in. It's kind of like working in a baseball glove. Hmm. Um, if it's an all-leather boot, it will have a break-in. If it's all synthetic, a boot or shoe, pretty much good to go right out of the box. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, socks, really important topic. Because in the summertime, what you want to do with socks is you want to have a liner sock, which when you put it on, it is super tight. It's almost like double thick pantyhose. Um, and then the purpose of this is to help prevent blisters. Okay. So do then you, you, do put, you run so liner socks in the summer? I do. Oh, okay, because I don't. Oh, totally. I don't run I have to. Socks. I, I have to. Because I've gotten blisters. So and if, whenever I've Whenever I don't wear them, I get blisters. So if I run a liner sock and I put baby powder in it, you know, do that to my feet, keep them dry. Then I put my merino wool socks, which I love. And basically the idea that it wicks away moisture, you're good to go. Their merino wool socks probably run you about 20 bucks. Uh, or 30. Oh, really? Huh. And uh, liner socks probably run about two, a two pack for 15 bucks. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Catherine's got a point. I, if you're somebody who's prone to blistering, then if you wear a liner sock and another sock, um, you know, your hiking sock, then when you do get the movement, which increase, like basically any movement will build up friction, friction leads to blisters. Well, that, now that movement is sock on sock violence, not sock on skin violence. Mm -hmm. Myself, maybe it's just, you know, having feet like, you know, hobbit skin or a lot of miles and whatever, but I don't run liner socks. I find them too hot. So funny enough, I've seen your feet. You've got like really smooth feet, like the ass of a baby. Seriously, you do. Where I've got like calluses on my feet and I get all the blisters. So it's interesting. Well, do you do you um, moisturize your feet regularly? With the No, no. And I was just going to say when you're hiking. I do it all the time, not hiking. Sounds like I should be doing it all the time anyway. Well, that's what I told you. I know. You never listen. Burt's Beeswax Hand Cream. Yes. Put it on your feet every night before you go to bed. Do you do that? Yeah. Really? I've been, I've been <laughs> telling people for years. <laughs> I thought it was just when you go backpacking. No. But you, you, it's, it's sort of one of those things. It's like going, oh, well, I don't exercise except for when I go backpacking. Well, then you're out of shape. You got to right. treat your feet so that when you get out there, they're but in good shape. But you think callous feet would be in better shape for no, handling then, blisters. No, but because then that skin... You've seen my calluses climbing or lifting weights, and then you just fall off. It's just dead calluses are dead skin. Right. 
you get too much of it and then it flakes off. Yeah, it hurts right? like a mother and, when you get a blister. And it's rough, so then it, it... Yeah, it really hurts when you get a blister there. Yeah. Because I usually get it on the side of my foot or on my heel, mm-hmm. which suggests I need some work on my boots. Something's yeah. moving. Something's moving. It's not quite right. So yeah, definitely invest in a Burt Beeswax hand cream. Burt's um, Bees. Burt's Bees. Sorry. Not Burt Bees. I didn't say that. And you did. It sounded right. like burpees. Camp shoes. Camp shoes. I always take a pair of flip-flops when I do go to camp. Um, after a day of backpacking, it's great to air out your feet. Really important. And, of course, we'll talk about this on some other podcasts. But, in general, you're always airing out your feet whenever you can, like every couple hours. And maybe even putting them in, the, in ice-cold water. You know, that helps, too. To yeah. It it's also helps to give you an ice cream headache. Yeah. But it's foot care. Foot mm-hmm. care that matters. Uh, traction devices. So, uh, we're not talking about, you know, snowshoeing, but at times there may be some ice, like we were in Vegas yep. <laughs> in, in May or April, yep. April. And, um, Mount Charleston was we went from desert. Snow. Yeah. We went to Mount Charleston elevation, I don't know, 8,000, 10,000. And when we went hiking, there was snow. So you may need some crampons, some micro spikes. Yeah. Cause and, if it's icy, um, it yeah. does not matter what type of rubber you have. It will not bite in. So you need metal on the bottom of your shoes. Yeah. So uh, that's basically, if you're ever in the shoulder seasons or at altitude uh, in the mountains, generally it's going to be out west um, if, you're, if you're still dealing with snow in the summertime. But like there's mountains out west, you know, that are never snow free. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, people are doing the Pacific Press Trail. They're doing that. So yeah. you want to make sure that your footwear can accommodate uh, those crampons if that's your intention mm-hmm. to do down the road. That's it. That's what we have on our list. Is there anything else you want to cover? So really the, the, the big thing when it comes to footwear is buy good footwear, buy cheap T-shirts. Um, and that's more just a philosophy. Uh because I work in the, the outdoor business and I deal with people with footwear fairly regularly, people who are like doing like, you know, big hiking trips who are like, yeah, I just want to get something cheap. It's like, are you out of your fucking mind? Right. You know, because it, it, I listen, if you can find something that fits you great and it, it fits all of the boxes and it doesn't move and blah, 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 blah. Like all of the things we talked about, and it happens to be cheap, great. But don't make cheap your driving thing because having bleeding, you know, bl- blistered up feet, toenails falling off, backpacking should be a challenge, but it shouldn't be miserable. And and it's one of those things that if if saving money is a big thing, there are places you can do it, right? And there's ways you can do it, like. If you figure out what shoe works for you, let's say, you know, um, because it's one of the most popular, like, long-distance backpacking shoes, the Ultra Lone Peak. They do a men's and women's version. It's like, I think they're on version 4.5 now. You know, it's kind of like software. But let's say you go, okay, that is my shoe, but I, I'm i just broke. I can't afford to mm-hmm. buy the the full retail version. Well, make sure you've written down, save it in your phone, whatever, what size fits you. And then, you know, scour the internets, look at the garage sale. When I say garage sale, it's not like an actual garage sale, but, you know, the uh, uh, outdoor stores um, or REI or wherever that you can find last year's in the shitty color, but it's your size. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. There are ways if you're, you know, if saving money is your your biggest driving factor, there are ways to do it. But don't just buy cheap, shitty shoes because they're cheaper. Yeah. Good shoes. Good backpack. So backpacking and footwear. um, Enjoy. Let us know what you think. Share with us your ideas and stay tuned for more on this series. Yeah. Because what are we doing next time? Shelters and uh, sleeping bags. Right. Oh, shelters and sleep systems. Yeah. 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 See, it's the thing right now, like I, I keep writing articles for our website mm-hmm. that are very in-depth on this stuff. Yes. But I'm writing so much of it, I can't keep track of what <laughs> I've written. 
<laughs> you know. Well, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Then after that, is it camp cooking and food? I think that's a good next step. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's what we, next two episodes, unless we throw somebody else in. We do. We actually have uh, an outstanding adventure. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah, we do, don't we? Just slip in there after a couple more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. All right. So. Work hard, play dirty. Oh, she got it right. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I didn't even have to think about it. Wow. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye.